Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the huddle. We're coming to you every Tuesday to discuss maintaining forward progress in your flooring career. I say this every week, but it's really kind of uh, business general stuff, and we dive down deep on flooring every week. So a little bit different. Um, so I want to thank everybody for coming and joining us uh, with me today, as always. Well, yeah, I should say, as always, you guys have covered when I was here. As always, our staples. Dan, we got Daniel and Jose Gonzalez from Preferred Flooring up in Michigan. So we get together every week, talk about some topics that we feel important uh, or uh, has been sent in to us and um, are applicable to the flooring industry and that we find is, uh, you know, worthwhile talking about. So this week... One of the, um, this is probably the biggest topic on our industry's mind and has been for a long time. So these words, installation crisis, um, we've all heard. And this week's discussion is on the installation crisis, but what can we do now? So that being said, I, I wanted to bring up obviously um we're shorted there's a shortage of labor of trade labor in general and we have that in flooring uh kudos to the the organizations out there trying to tackle the problem from a uh a personnel perspective like bringing in more people uh more youth into the industry getting them trained people like uh you know uh kim and and uh, Jim over at the FCEF, I know that a lot of the other organizations are working with them on that from the NTCA, NWFA, you know, all the acronyms of our industry. Kind of bran branching out from them, right? Yeah, yeah. So if you can remember them all, I'd say them all, but I could probably throw a few in there and you wouldn't even notice as far as the acronyms are concerned. Uh, that being said, <clears throat> we wanted to talk about a concept of efficiency in labor um other industries um really hold this as like one of their key metrics uh we'll use uh like the automotive manufacturing industry that is one of their key metrics what is our efficiency rating right um just about all manufacturing is that way now i'm not in efficiency in labor in particular so i'm not saying that we are like the manufacturing industry, but I thought I'd bring up some of their metrics. So as an industry, they look for somewhere around, depending on which article or survey, what piece of research you look at, but it, it seems somewhere around 68% efficiency in labor. So what that means to them or what it means is just you're they're getting 68% of the value of 100% of their labor. Right. And as an industry, they feel like that's pretty good. Like that's that's acceptable. That's pretty good. Now you take individual organizations like Toyota and they aim for like, I believe it's 96 or 98 percent efficiency. Right. Now, Toyota is a juggernaut and is known in in uh, the business world as being one of the most efficient, efficient companies on the planet. Um, there's books written about them. Uh, and 
you can kind of uh, see why they're so, they were so successful as the world's largest automotive manufacturer. But then you take Tesla, who is the up and comer who's out there kicking everyone's rear. Again, labor efficiency is one of their key metrics. I never hear this talked about in our industry. Uh, all most of us, most of the flooring contractors in uh, the United States use. 1099 subcontract labor. Now, that being said, how do we monitor or kind of look at the labor as a pool and our efficiency in that uh, particular uh, metric? So would you guys say like on average, just a, 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 a big average that a crew maybe uh, loses eight hours per, per week in either the job got moved or, you know, materials didn't show up on time or they get to the job and it's actually not ready, even though the GC told you, yeah, it's 100% ready for you. <laughs> that should have got a laugh out of you, Daniel, for sure. <laughs> Whatever the reason is, is that they lose uh, eight hours a week on an average. Now, I get it. Sometimes it's more, you know, maybe three or four days, or you may have a crew that doesn't get a day off in months, but is that reasonable to make that assumption? Yeah, it's probably even more than that. Yeah. And, and I think um, you can find separation too, right? Like is it lack of efficiency from the crews or lack of efficiency from um, other contractors? So I don't know there's a way for that, but if we're adding it all together, yeah, I would say it. Yeah. So if you took, that's a good point, but if you just took uh, the efficiency of the people that utilize the labor, the how efficient are we at, as flooring contractors across the nation at using our labor, the yeah. labor that's out there. Uh, if we say eight hours and we have two guys, on a crew. And I know this is not every crew. I'm just trying to get to some, some, some math here to, to start a conversation. But if we said two guys lose eight hours a week, then that's 16 hours a week, right? Yeah. Now, would you guys say it's reasonable to put the total crew number worse that 10,000 crews would be certainly low? That's not, you know, or, or do you think there's more or less than 10,000 crews across the United States of flooring installers? I, I believe there's going to be more than 10,000 crews if we're breaking them up into twos. But I would say that that's an easy number to use just for, for, for some roundabout numbers, probably. It's not outrageous, right? I mean, I'm not, right. yeah. I'm not overblowing it. Would you say? No, no right. Not I'm, I'm not saying 60,000 crews. I'm just 10,000 crews. Okay. Well, I can do math pretty well, but just for a little bit of uh, emphasis here, you know, obviously then that's 160,000 hours weekly of lost production in our industry. If we took that and divided it by 40 as an average work week, we're losing 4,000 hours or 4,000 work weeks every single week in flooring, right? 
I don't know about that's you. That's, that's, that's pretty, pretty damn inefficient. It seems like that's a lot. That means 4,000 work weeks every single week is lost. That's the equivalent of adding 4,000 quality crews to our industry. If we're six or 8,000 short, as has been proposed by some of the research, we're over halfway there just by becoming yeah. efficient. Now, I'm sure one of you are thinking like, yeah, we're not going to get to 100% efficiency if if freaking Toyota cannot. And I get <laughs> it. Like, I agree. Uh, we're not going to be 100% efficient. But if we took just the delta between Toyota and manufacturing in general, it's about 30%. So could we get 30% better and gain 30% back into get 30% more flooring down every week because we're 30% more efficient. I think right. um, taking advantage of 30% of that. Is that, are you guys following me here? No, 100% following you on that. And, and, and obviously, you know, the, the automotive industry is more of a controlled area, a lot less, uh, um, I would say variables as far as human uh, mistakes, right? But they still have maintenance. They still have robotics. They have all that to worry about. And I think that uh, we can strive to get 30% better, um, but not knowing what variables to use for those type of metrics is going to be hard to to cipher exactly what route to take to get to that point. But um, it's definitely definitely missing a lot of things in our industry as far as structure to, to get us to that point. Um, yeah, it could be double that guys. I mean, we're, yeah. we're just shooting off the hip as far as like having a discussion, but just in all the travels to the different shows, talking to different people, even talking to you guys, having, you know, a guy and I have it happen in my crew company where something happens and they're not doing that job for two or three days. And then they need, they, they're, so they're yeah. dead weight or, sorry, not the wrong term They're they're Those are dead hours for those three days. Right. Um, so I'm just wondering what can we do about the shortage now? Like what can be executed upon now? So I wanted to start a conversation with the industry. I would love to have just kind of push this out there. I think it's irresponsible of us as leaders to not at least discuss this, consider it, discuss it, and kind of mull it over. Uh, so I thought we'd go just kind of talk about it today, and maybe in a month we can have a full panel discussion with some experts and some different people uh, in our industry and outside of our industry, uh, but all based around um, all based around efficiency and do we agree that this is a problem i've talked to plenty uh plenty of people in our travels and it appears to be a major problem so what's your thoughts daniel i think that uh even if like you you, you started talking about subcontractors and stuff like that but even us as uh you know we have in-house crews and our efficiencies are still like that, right? Because in the mornings, if something's not ready, our crews are lagging behind. Those are lost hours as well. And then when we show up and something's not ready, that's a whole nother story. But a lot of the guys, um, 
a lot of the guys on the Facebook groups talk about, you know, showing up and when something's not ready or if something small is in the way, then they just walk away from that job. So they're kind of making the problem bigger, right? Because it's either, you know, I I take 20 minutes and move these few things or I just walk away and lose all that labor for the day. And a lot of the, a lot of the guys out there will just be like, Oh, that's not mine. I'm not doing, I'm not moving that. Well, that's pretty, uh, that's, a, that's interesting to talk about because j just my quick take and is if it's egregious, but if you could move it, like using your example of 20 minutes, it's pretty silly to walk away from that. Mm -hmm. 20 minutes of hard work earns you the ability to do eight hours of your profession. Um, I realized that it was probably someone else's job and there's probably other things to consider, but come on, like, and I know it happens too, Daniel, you're, you, you could, it, the Facebook group seemed to be pretty ripe with that kind of conversation. What's your thoughts, mm -hmm. Jose, on, on what Daniel just talked about? So, so I agree with Daniel, right? Like I, I know that every situation is individualized. Um, and, and yeah, we've been on both sides of that 20 minutes of moving things like mood, right? Depends on your mood, right? Part part of part of the issue is, is that as an industry, we don't have like a set of standards in place. We don't have a system in place, like a, a, a big giant temp template, a holy grail of flooring to follow uh, as a template. So therefore the, the systems, there isn't a trickle down. And then as far as the, the items being in the way and you know gc saying it's ready it's not you as an installer or as a crew leader or as whoever showing up at the job site understand that there might be very minimal effort um involved into making sure that you or your crew or your guys have a full day's worth of work and you can still remain profitable um and i think that goes back to not having the systems in place which means you don't have a contingency plan in place you don't have any contingencies in place, like plan A Plan A is this, but plan B, C, and D is this. It just makes it harder to have those readily available uh, if they're not talked about beforehand or readily available if your mindset is not readily available. Because going in after some bad jobs and seeing that or working with a, a general contractor where that's their normal and you're like, you know, I've had enough of this. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. Every time I go to this contractor's project, it's always this yeah. way. Yeah. I, I'm done. I'm out of here. You know, and, and I think, I don't know when our turning point was, but we did start looking at it a little bit differently. Like take pictures of it, get out of the way. We'll, uh, or, you know, we'll raise the issue, but we're going to keep moving forward. Well, it, it just helps out in the in the big picture, right? Because we've been on projects where that's happened. We take pictures and then they come back to us and they're like, they try to complain about something. It's like, whoa, 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 what you complaining about? Look at what we did for you already. Like, yeah, we, 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 I, I, uh, I share your guys' uh, fight and the, the result. A lot of times we'll have the guys take pictures and load it up into our software. And then um, not only do you have it later, a lot of times, and I would give this advice to any flooring company, if you're ha if it happens more than once or twice and you're on a bigger job where it's going to be months spanned or something, everyone gets amnesia at the at the end of the project and forgets all <laughs> of it. So uh, I would encourage 
to send a notice of delay to your GC. Uh, we, we have a template letter. Uh, it's just a notice of a delay of delay, and we tossed a couple pictures on that PDF. We actually put it on the PDF and then send it to them. Just say notice of delay. They don't like it, but you've done your job. And if they call you all mad, say, look, man, I'm not doing nothing. I'm I even I'll even move this stuff today, but I'm just telling you, you're delaying us. They don't like that. Uh, they tend to clean up a little better after you've done that a time or two. Uh, but the ones that don't, and you get down to the end of the job and they're like, you're behind, you're behind, and you're going to get liquidated damages, right? If you say, listen, I've sent you eight delay notice, notice of delay letters. Um, there's no reason to, to elevate this into a uh, worse situation, but uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that I, ha I have the documentation. I've alerted you to the delays. I've checked all the boxes on the contract to make sure I'm protected. So that's my only goal. Let's work together to get this job done, sir. But at the end of the day, that's what it's for, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jorge right here, he's on LinkedIn. He says that uh, he gives, if it happens on a regular basis, he only gives the contractors, you know, twice. He, I'll do it twice. From then on, you're paying me for whatever I'm moving. Yeah, and we we share that i mean a couple of times you send them a notice of the you know i'll do it a time or two and then i'm like i'll tell my manager send a notice of delay um and if you do if we do that if our managers execute on that it's just putting you in a uh, more risk off situation when it comes down to the end of the job we particularly have to deal with this in in flooring right i mean Still manufacturers, I, I actually got into a lawsuit long time ago and I wasn't being sued. I was just a witness on a suit, uh, but it was the steel manufacturer had delayed a project or the steel, the steel subcontractor had delayed a, a grocery store project we were doing in Wichita by four months Ooh. and they did not end, they did not change the end date and they uh as usual tried to shrink everybody's durations down to make it happen put us on three shifts we come in it we work they wanted us to work from like seven to three four to like two or something like that and like this crazy not even real first second third shift it was like weird shift but three shifts every day for three weeks to get the job done on time i was like okay, well, we, we need to change order for the additional labor. This is going to, well, you're still getting, you, they're separate crews. You shouldn't be incurring overtime or anything. I'm like, yeah, but no, you're putting me on weird night work stuff and the crews aren't near as efficient. And, you know, you go through all that. Yeah. Uh, but the point is, is that general contractors, no offense, you guys are our clients. If any of you are on here and uh, we don't hate you, we love you. But the fact is, is that, they're trying to hit an end date and be damned if everybody's durations have to shrink down because something happened with the steel or the earthwork or whatever the problem was on this one. As I said, it was steel, the steel erection. Um, but yeah, so, and your, your comment, Daniel, about um, employees, what do you guys do when, when a job cancels for your employees? What, what do they what, that's what, that's what I was going to kind of get into too, because you talk about like 
Toyota and the automotive industry when they have these huge factories and if something goes down over here, they have placement. Like there's always something to do, right? And that's kind of what you have to to look at in your business as well because are you on the job site today? No, but you know, can you clean the van? Can you organize this? Can you do something else and take that off the plate that you don't have to do later? And we've been working yeah. on that. So um like there there's been times where you know, stuff happens, it falls through or, or you, you have to push something up and then you don't have anything for tomorrow. And it's like, we've got practice boxes out there. We've got a warehouse that, you know, um, we don't have a warehouse guy. So if we're not the ones taking care of it, then it's a huge mess. So we, we tell the guys, you know, everything is a team here. So if, if you guys aren't doing it, guess who, who has to do it? Yeah. And, you know, that just puts more stuff on us. So if, if you have the opportunity to come in here and do some cleaning, organizing and learn where stuff goes, let's take that opportunity. Let's, you know, bring a box down, spend half the day cleaning, half the day learning a cut that you have been uh, struggling with, you know, work on some base, work with a material you've never worked with before, do something. Repetition. Like, you don't but just... You, you do try to find something that can be productive in either training or setting themselves up to be more efficient. Because yeah. what you mentioned, a lot of it is right back to efficiency. Cleaning your van and getting it ready is going to yeah. make it more efficient on on your your work. We can all agree on that. I know because you guys installed and I installed. I guarantee a organized van where I can go grab a patch trowel and not dig through 17 buckets underneath stuff. Like, yeah it makes it more efficient, but so you, you find uh placement for them guys. You find something. We do for, our very best. Or, yeah. or try to find an uh, opportunity not, for them to, to do something like that. Yeah. You try to keep some back burner projects that, you know, are, are, are I want to say willy nilly, right. Where uh, the customer or the client is, you can get in here anytime, no notice, like an empty suite uh, and a strip mall that may have, you know, they don't have a, uh, a tenant ready yet but you know that there's some demo or some string or some grinding that's got to be done try to keep those ones on the back burner but when you slow down and a project moves for a week or two weeks you can burn through those little projects fairly quick and once those are done you have to you have to build those back up those are those are hard to find when you're not operating off of volume and, and you're more or less trying or doing your best not to overload your schedule for the crews that, that you have available or the guys you have, right? Because you don't want to overwork them, but you don't want to underwork them. Uh, so it, those are the little diamonds like that are, are, are kind of hard to find, but we, we do get lucky with those through the year. And like Daniel said, though, if that doesn't work out, we have nothing there, nothing available, then, you know, you, you got time to lean, you got time to clean. You got, yeah. just, just get just get better um, at, at the craft. And some guys are all for it, man. Some guys just, rather stay Take home and not make money and but then complain that they don't make the money and you know it's not it, this is this is in general as far as what we've experienced over the the years in the industry all the way back to when i worked um you know at the other companies it's, everybody's different everybody's wired differently some people want to get better and get the practice some people are content where they're at you know and i wish somebody had practice boxes for me when i was uh, I, I was going to say like the, the training piece 
I never experienced anything like that. When I was working by the hour, if we didn't have, if the job got canceled, you just went home. We didn't have vacation pay. Now that you just went home. Yeah. Uh, and when, Jen Zern actually has a, she said something on the chat. Uh, you know, kind of comparing the the industries and how they're they're oh yeah I see different that. to compare right but if you look at the automotive industry the the consistency and work performed day to day but it's it's the same thing right like I said if you're not over here you can be doing something else and that's what she said she said uh, they told their crew if you got time to lean you got time to clean <laughs> I love that Jen I'm stealing that I'm just telling you right now you got time to lean you got time to clean. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking at that too, Daniel. She just uh, brought up we need process and protocols for um, increased efficiencies, right? And we could talk more about those uh, opportunities uh, maybe on the panelists' talk. Uh, there's some some ideas and, and things I think that could be executed on immediately in the processes and protocols area. I think also I'm not... I want to be clear. I'm not trying to compare our industry to the automotive industry. I think everybody got that. I, I realize like that's a juggernaut of a machine. They're in controlled spaces. If you're on this line and that line goes down, you just simply go over to this line or to another place. And so I realize that, but Daniel brought up, I mean, and, and Jose, you talked about as well is that we can have them, uh, train more, clean the van, organize their vans, take a course. Like what about, you know, CIM, those types of courses, like this is, that's a good chance for education. Um, it made me think like, dang, what if I put together like some training courses for the crews? Cause we have a training portal, uh, that on down days, sit in the conference room and, and go through these trainings and complete the trainings, even though it's online stuff, a lot of what we like to teach on our hourly crews, because most of our hourly guys are highly, highly skilled hand guys, but we always want to continue to teach them how to be, um, you know, have the right attitude and dealing with difficult people in difficult scenarios. So training is a great way to do it. And so is, uh, you know, I had a guy, um, when was that? That would have been right at the beginning of COVID, actually. Uh, we just repainted a, a, a big portion of the office and had the guys doing painting. Um, we didn't, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I wish I would have just, uh, you know, had our uh, 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 installation managers pull down the box and do more training. But even painting, uh, you know, we just tried to keep them busy. But that's still, um, do you guys put your hour, make sure your hourly crew stays busy and then supplement with subs or does everybody, is it all equal opportunity? Cause we always look at like, we're going to keep our hourlies busy and then any of the other work is going to be done by subs. So we don't have a lot of downtime except for in extenuating circumstances on the hourly crews. We, but we do, do the keep, same thing. We, you do? we gotta keep okay. the guys busy. Um, there are certain things that we don't touch like, uh, we weren't busy when was that like a week or two ago, but it was a wood refinish job and we don't do wood refinishing. So there was no way out. We were going to be like, all right, 
we're just going to take care of this now. Yeah. You know what? Florian's a little slow. I'm going to start window tent. Right. <laughs> no, I get it. Um, you know, at least one thing with the hour lease is you have they they're they're in a more controlled position. Subs yeah. aren't, and and right. and most I I didn't have the subs painting my office or sweeping the warehouse, right? I had the hourlies do that because I wanted to get there, keep their hours up, and when it got slow, but you don't do that for subs, so we have to consider. And I'm I'm not saying we're we're not going to come up with a solution right this minute or whatever. I just wanted to pose the thought-provoking question of how can we increase our um, increase our efficiency. Maybe that's only 10%, but anything, any portion of 4,000 work weeks would be better than nothing. So can we do it and how can we do it? And what are some ideas? And let's get a panel together to have an open discussion that maybe result in some new stuff, that new uh, approaches on how we do business that we could implement quicker than waiting for uh, the, the new wave that's coming in. Mm -hmm. Something more immediate. Let's fix the the stuff that we have now, become more efficient. We talk about it all the time from the tools. When we talk about tools and equipment, what's it based in? Efficiencies, right? I mean, like yeah. grind, having the good a good grinder or the the right, you know, the right tool for the right job because it's more efficient. And um, efficiency is what so justifies the majority of the purchases and the majority of the investment into the company. Um, you know, you you're not you don't buy things well maybe me sometimes but you don't buy things because they're cool looking right but uh you, you buy things because what it does is it gives you time back and you know you get more time back the more efficient you are uh the more efficient you can become and the more efficient tools can make you um or even the right person can make you um you have the tendency to invest more into that aspect and it's just one of those machines right like Efficiency is is the oil, and you got to keep you got to keep that machine going. And a lot of the times, we're talking to to guys who are always in the field, right? They they're they're working twelve hours a day. They're coming home, and then you tell them, "Hey, you should work on efficiencies." And they're like, "Man, <laughs> that is not something that I want to be working on right now." It's just a lot of the times. Uh, Especially like, I, well, I always refer to the groups, right? Because I see a lot of conversations happening. But anytime someone asks a question, it, it they always come back with, not always, most of the time, majority of the time, these guys come back with a dumb answer that don't, doesn't make sense anyways. Or, well, if you don't know how to do that, you shouldn't be doing that. It's like, man, like, it's it's the same thing. If that's why we're doing this and talking so that way, other people can realize, hey, if they're looking at it this way, maybe I should be looking at it this way and working on myself at the same time because we're not perfect and we're still working on things, right? So that, that's what that's what it is. It's taking the industry where it is now, realizing that something has to change for for the new people to be more attracted to it, changing that and then bringing them in. Right now, what's happening with the FCEF and and their kind of push is they're just trying to bring as many in as they can without fixing what's wrong already. Yeah, and, and they're, they're in that silo of bringing new in. We just, we're leaders here. I've accepted it. 
like I'm a, I've been a leader in my company for, for years, but from the industry perspective, we're, we're standing up and trying to do something. Some people are following our lead that makes us leaders. So let's accept that. And let's go to the, the fact that um, operational efficiencies from, from the industry standpoint is personal efficiencies is another leg down or another um, another level up from that. My my son worked at uh, Amazon for a short time. Uh, he was between jobs and flooring, and now he works for an excavation company as an estimator. Uh, but he worked at Amazon for maybe four or five weeks, something like that. They train on which way to turn to grab something. Hmm. You want to talk, and I'm not saying we need to do that. So I'm not. So, but it's interesting when you look at these really like extremely efficient industries and businesses, there, there's something we can learn from it. Like they teach you, you, you turn this way and you grab here and they have everything at certain levels. So for safety and efficiency and green light, red light, blue light for different things that you grab, put here, do that. Like it's all about efficiency and it, and they, the, the only metric, the main metric they measure when you're out there, uh, I think he was called a packer or a picker, one of the two. There's someone that worked at Amazon on the call, like, correct me. <laughs> Let us that is. I think it's a picker. But when you, um, that you, you they, they uh, judge you on how many items you pick in an hour and, and uh, how many like mistakes you made in an hour on your picking. And and they're they're monitoring your movement and everything. Uh, it's really like we're not getting there. And I'm not even suggesting we go there. I'm just saying think about that. Like think if they can be that efficient, surely we can get a little more efficient. Yeah. And uh, as an industry, as an entire labor industry, um, you know, I got a call this morning, uh, maybe I don't know, two hours ago. So it wasn't really morning. Uh, but it was, Hey man, uh, I ain't got any work from a crew that I haven't heard from in years, probably two years. And, uh, I ain't got any work. You got any work? I'm like, that's an inefficient way to try to find work too, because like, how do you, what are you going to call 30 of us until you find something? I mean, that's the only way yeah. that that's how you do it right now. But if point, there was only a platform where you could find work really easy, <laughs> yeah, just, if there true. was only something available for that. Very true. Like we know that, and we've gotten to, you know, jumping on maps at Go Carrera is uh, a, a very efficient way for installers to find new work. But the the interesting thing with him or the interesting thing I just realized was he's going to call somebody until, and then go to the office and talk to people until he finds a job. So there's these times of desperation when it starts to slow down. I feel like I've talked to a lot of people this last month or so. It, we always, we were, everybody was so busy and it does seem like everybody's starting to slow down a little bit. Uh, part of that's probably winter. Another part of that is just, I think that the economy's cooling off a little bit. Um, but it's interesting to me is that there, when time, when they don't have, when, when a sub doesn't have any work, they'll go to a lot of links to get it. 
you know what I mean? A lot of links to find it. Oh, so yeah. Um, but Trust me, I understand that firsthand. Yeah. We call it scramble mode, man. Like when things get shifted so bad and you, you don't have a, a plan B, a plan C, right? Scramble mode. Like, you know, I think for one time, actually, I think it was this year when we had a, a large project um, that was going to soak up everything we had on the labor side. So, you know, kind of put all the eggs in that one basket and it slid a month. And wow. I found out like, like four days before our start date. And now, find, now you got to find talk about the economy and stuff, right? And you got to kind of play off that too. And it's almost like we kind of should have seen the writing on the wall because there was a few months ago where uh, we do a lot of hospital work, right? And one of the hospitals put a capital freeze on everything and projects just started falling off. And you know when the last time that happened was? COVID. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. well they, they follow trends too and 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 that could help anyone be be more efficient is, is following the right trends and it's funny you mentioned the uh, the automotive industry but the automotive industry is actually one of the main components that actually sets the trend on spending as well it's it's one of the the, the top industries to look at if you are following trends you said automotive right yes so is that on delivered cars or what what, uh, uh, production, production, right? So if they, their production of the number of vehicles is dropping, um, that means that factory production is going to drop, which also means that spending is going to drop because the factory industry is a lot of, the factory industry is our, is the modern day coal industry, I, I believe, right? Like without coal back in the day, people couldn't operate their, the, the heavy machinery, no trains were running. That means nothing was being delivered. Nothing was being delivered. That means the work. Yeah, not much. And not much was happening. <laughs> right. So I just kind of look at it like that. I mean, that's only my assessment, my comparison that I did in my head, like right now, two seconds ago. But that's uh, one of one of the industries that uh, some of the local groups here follow for um, spending trends uh, for the economy. Gotcha. So I was just reading a comment. It just, it was uh, from Jen again, just kind of clarifying that, you know, it is tough to compare industry to industry directly. I'm just saying, uh, I think that if there's one industry that can be that efficient. You can borrow something from them, right? Yeah, there's there's just some light to be seen. There's exactly, there. you can yeah. borrow something from them. Some of the... And, and at least it should encourage us that we know that there's industries out there that are that efficient. We can realize and and look at the end of the day, we're just having a conversation, a good conversation. And in a in a month, if we had a pan, a good group of panelists together, and we're all just kind of going through this, and and there's no clear like way to do it at least our brains are thinking creatively about solving mm -hmm. what we know is a problem. I think Jen knows a little bit about efficiency too. I think she knows somebody that's very close to her that might've made a spreadsheet on efficiency, fuel efficiency and dollars saved by switching from one type of vehicle to another. So just, just throwing that out there. Really? From, what, from switching to gas to diesel? Yeah. <laughs> 
I don't remember exactly what vehicles, but I do remember uh, her making fun of Jay because he's a spreadsheet master. Well, the um, sorry, let me shut this thing down. So anyway, the um, the labor side of of our industry, we we got the three of us talk every week about how we're dependent as an industry on the guys putting the stuff on the floor, guys and gals putting stuff on the floor. And if we can train them better and make them more efficient. And I feel like we're, the reason it, it, it's such a, to me, a, a, a great I, uh, thought process or something to think about is we are getting better. I, I feel like, you know, a lot of the organizations out there, they're standing up and doing stuff. I mean, there's new organizations that have been formed over the last few years, but they can't, there's not one organization that can solve every problem. You know what I mean? When it comes around to that. So if Jim and, and FCEF and Kate and them are working on bringing in new and you got CFI, you know, NTCA, TCNA, you know, not TCNA, but uh, NWFA and these organizations um, training them up, uh, they, they can't be everything to everyone. Um, so we're having the efficiency talk and see what we can do about increasing our labor efficiency. Even if we could get some good ideas, I have some. I'd love to share that with the panelists here in a month. I know mm -hmm. you guys do. Dan, uh, Jose and I talked a little bit. I know we've talked, kind of chatted about this in the past. So yeah, uh, I, I think we kind of tiptoe around the subject a little bit, right? Because we know that we could be better. And nobody likes to point out. Nobody likes to point out or admit weaknesses unless it's going to be the topic and it's the the conversation is going to be beneficial to somebody or some bodies, right? But um, it is the sad truth in our industry is that we could all be more efficient at what we're doing. And you just uh, you just made me think of a a good point um, with all of the what the FCEF is doing as far as bringing in uh, new talent and younger. Uh, more able-bodied uh, individuals to add to the industry to kind of help mitigate the uh, shortage. What are we going to do if all these people do join and they are trying to be successful and we don't have the efficiencies in place to help them thrive? What what are we going to do? Like, you know, that, that brings up, do you guys remember, I, I know you guys were both in the um, the women in flooring uh where was that at? CFI convention. CFI, yep. Do you remember uh, it being brought up that <clears throat> the young people aren't lazy? They're just looking for the easiest, most efficient way. Efficient, yeah. It came up today, too, in that uh, that summit I was attending. And um, the guy who broke it down uh, is, is studying, like, uh, uh, neurology in the brain. Like, there was, there was a, I wrote some notes on a, a way that he broke it down to, to – to make more sense he says the 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 old brain right like the the evolved brain so if you, we take our brain way back it wants to find the easiest way to do something doesn't mean it, and we per, perceive that as lazy now right but the brain automatically wants to find the easiest way to do it another word for for lazy or easy is efficient so it's all perspective on, on how you want to view it yeah, and, and the younger generation grew up with some of the most uh, efficient ways of doing. I mean, we can send emails and 
uh, phone calls and let people know where we're at. And like, this thing has got more power than the space shuttle that sent us to the moon, <laughs> you know? And they grew up with that efficiency in their hands. And so it doesn't mm -hmm. surprise me that they look for those efficiencies. So to your point, Daniel, I'm coming full circle here, is if if we've been told and it's been uh, reiterated that the younger generation looks for those things, should we not as an industry then also realize that we have to approach uh, our labor shortage our labor problems uh from that efficiency lens as well I, I i think i said this earlier but i think it's just simply irresponsible for us as an industry to not consider can we can we become more efficient first i know we're adding people in but if we have the ten thousand crews that we just talked about which we can agree that's way low but that's what to use if we had those ten thousand crews and we can make them more efficient just by filling their dead dead hours, if we can do that to some measurable number, that increases our ability as an industry automatically. Mm -hmm. So interesting conversations, guys. Um, yeah, we got like, Luis is on here and this was a, a while ago and he thinks that we would get more people interested if a lot more people would actually classify them as employees as opposed to just 1099 and having them deal with everything. And we've, we've touched on this, you know, previously too, um, about young people knowing that, Hey, I don't want to work for you on the 1099 because I know I'm going to have to pay my own taxes at the end of the year. And that's not something that, that they want to do. So I, I think he's right there. Um, I tell you what, I'll hire you if you want to be an hourly employee. I, I, that's the hardest position I've had to fill. I mean, literally, probably seven or eight of the few hundred crews we have came from being hourlies, and they came to me and said, hey, we want to sub. Who am yeah. I to tell them, no, you're not doing that? Right, not and, and that's totally fine. It's just because we, we know we have an emphasis on training and stuff like that, and when you can get in with a company that's going to send you to training or train you themselves. Why not go learn as much as you can before you yeah. go out on your own? Point well taken because they are awesome subs. The ones that came out of our hourly crews are awesome yeah. subs. So that's a damn good point. I mean, um, man, just everything we're talking about right now kind of blends right into what I sat in all day. And, and one of the speakers today said it best too. And, um, you know, they, they took, they just said professional sports, right? Be, just for a quick uh, comparison is, uh, do you think that uh, Kobe stopped practicing once he made it to the NBA? You know, or do you think, uh, or, or along the way, there was um, a balance between education and training. Education was uh, learning the, the why, um, and the training was the, the hands-on, the experience, because the training is the experience, but if someone isn't being educated, whether it's hands-on or efficiency, then they won't be able to apply that education to, to the long-term, which is the training, whether it's hands-on or in the field experience. So, and that, that really, um, I liked the format in which he presented that. It was, it, was, it was a really good, really good portion of today's session. And 
just for all of our benefit, what what um, what was the um, I don't want to say seminar, but was it a seminar? What was you in today? Where you were got uh, you so inspired? It was a it was an event uh, by our local chamber. Um, it was uh, the uh, the speaker's name, by the way, is Steve Robbins, Asian guy. Um, really really cool cat. <laughs> but um, the event was for uh, diversity and um, and talent and talent. Yep. So it was. Uh, it was a lot of different walks brought together for, for one common goal. And, and everybody, the basis was, was all the same subject, but everybody had different views and their, their different views helped paint one large picture instead of individual pictures. And, and obviously that's my perspective, right? That's my takeaway from it, but it was uh, absolutely, it was a good event today. That's awesome. Jen, Jen had, uh, and thanks, thank you for your uh, participation, Jen. This is awesome. So uh, she said the next generation wants benefits. They don't want to struggle like their parents and grandparents. Um, I kind of agree, although I think grandparents were, were um, you know, pretty much employee union, like our the subcontracting and flooring really caught steam in the 80s and 90s. Um, and now it's like, it is the way it is. Uh, but I, I wonder what kind of benefits, um, you know, the, the installers at their own, when, when you are the owner of your own, uh, job, basically, that's what a 1099 sub is. They own their job. What kind of, um, opportunities can be developed or something for, uh, for the the industry where subs have some benefits. I, I know there's options out there. I know that there's, you know, group health insurance things that you can buy into a group if you're part of the NTCA or whatever. I mean, so I think there are the opportunities out there. I don't know that everybody knows about them. Um, I know that because I've talked to a lot of installers that have no idea or have had no idea in the past on where to even go get trained, let alone that those people who are training you actually, if you're a member of them, you can get, you know, discounts on your, um, on your uh, liability and work comp insurance. And yeah. you can get, you know, uh, a better um, rate for um, your health insurance benefits and such. But I would say that it, there's just, it just simply, you can't have, it all your way where if you want benefits and those things go be an employee please i would love to hire more employee installers i i know you guys good quality employee installers yeah. my hands up bring them in Our the problem is we've had more exodus and we pay well we have full fully paid health insurance for for the employee we cover the health insurance 100% they have seven uh, paid holidays. They get PTO based on their time. They have all the benefits that anybody in our office has. And they, some of them have still left to go be a sub and be a sub for us. <laughs> I mean, it's not like they're even going to a different company. They just want to own their own thing. So I think I would love it to, to uh, be a little more 
uh, on the hourly side, but it's just not the reality. So um, how can we create? I I think part of it has to be that the sub has to understand they are their boss. They are the owner. They are the king cheese. Go invest. Make sure you're charging enough and get a health insurance policy for you and your your helper. Charging enough. That's the thing. Nate says, uh, he says, if efficiency is already built in, most installers have to produce as much as possible to try and make money at the going rate. He is 100% correct. But that is efficiency on the individual level. Right. I'm trying to pose, let's think, efficiency on the industry level. There are certainly crews like, uh, <laughs> don't get any days off. Um, and then two hours away is equally qualified crews sitting on their finger and leaning back on their thumb that nobody knows that is, is off for those two days or three days or a week. Right. You know what I mean? That could come in and help that guy not have to work 90 hours that week and maybe have a Saturday, Sunday off. Uh, his point is exactly what I, or he, the fact, his um, accurate statement is exactly what I'm, I'm talking about there that he shouldn't have to do that. <laughs> Part of the problem is, in my opinion, is the overall industry inefficiency. So. Yeah. And a, a lot of the, the efficiencies have to be done together right too many other installers out there think it's like you said there's a guy two hours away that no one knows about it's not them versus us it's we're in the same industry let's help each other out you know come over here say hi we have guys stopping by you know just to hey i've never met you guys i just want to come in here you know shake your hand let you know that we know who you are and we like what you're doing and it, just appreciate it, it. Four yeah. people did that and it's all you got to do is come in and talk to us, man. We're not against everyone. We're for everyone. People yeah. think that, you know, since we're in the position we're in, it's, I don't want to go talk to them. They think that they're better than everyone. I'm not better. We're not better than anyone. No, we're just we're not in any more lucrative position. We're not in any more yeah. lucrative position either, right? We're, 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 well, even we're if still... you guys were, look, I know you guys, you're a, you're a humble, you're humble, first off. Secondly, just because you're really good at something, uh, does not mean you think you're better or you're trying to get your message out there. It's often when we're on camera and someone's watching on the other side and we present ideas or we say things in a confident manner that it comes off as uh, you are, uh, you know, you think you're better. I don't think, I don't think that's the case for anyone, to be honest with you. I think you guys work really hard uh, to, um, I think you you guys people who are in your position work really hard to get there through training and education and things. So I think it's uh it's a it's we've taken our lumps, man. We've taken our lumps and we we will continue to take our lumps. It it seems like to me, it's like the the caveman in the in the cave uh with a whole pile of food that's gonna go bad, uh, but it's his, it's mine. Uh and and I I I'm not sharing it with anybody. I don't it seems like there's a bit of that that happened. I shouldn't say it seems like there's certainly a bit of that that happens in our industry, but. Um, you can have the a, nicest house on the block, but if you don't have any furniture inside, people don't see it, right? So um, it's, it's, that's just the outside. I don't want people to, 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 to judge 
any, I don't judge anyone in the industry by, by the outer shell, right? Like, give me some information. I like to learn. I like to absorb it. Anything that you can do to help me become a better version of myself is greatly appreciated. Um, and, and vice versa. If I have a little bit of information to share with you, to help you become a better version of yourself, even if it's for that day or that week, I would be happy to share it. That's just that's how, how, how we are, how I am. How I, that's how every, every, I don't want to say everyone should be because some people can't do that but it's just it's nice to know that there are individuals out there willing to help and and because of those individuals that helped us and, and those companies that that helped us along the way it makes it easier for us to 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 want to help others as well yeah and, and that that, yep. that goes that's why we do it and that's why we're trying to do it so that way you know that next generation can come in and feel more comfortable with everything yeah and and it was uh i just read that you know I think it was Jen again, actually said that it, that something to the extent that it's, it's not fair to expect uh, or to have a young installer to be a 1099 sub. You got my vote. Yeah, <laughs> I know you I, got Daniel. I, I know you got Jose. I agree 100%. You either need to get with a high quality established sub who has a history of training themselves. If there's anybody new watching on any of the, platforms get a job if you've gotten some lower uh you know some level of training or you want to be in flooring get with a very well established is subcontractor that has a history of training and taking care of their their employee installers or get a job with a flooring company that hires employee installers until uh, like some of our guys over the years until you feel comfortable. And if you want to be a sub, once you are, you get, not only are you trained in flooring, but you learn some business aspects of this, you know, some of the business aspects of our industry, then maybe turn into a sub if you want or stay as an hourly, you know, we have plenty of older hourly guys that work for us too. You know, um, I agree 100% Jen. And I had a, a guy call the office the other day to talk to me and, you know, he said that he's been uh watching us talk and he, he loves it he's a, a local guy he's probably i think he was from about 45 minutes away or something like that and he said that what he sees um a real big lack in the industry is on the bilingual side because we don't have a lot of bilingual people that are going to be able to teach so what he does is he's that kind of that medium he's a workroom right to where he gets a lot of the work has the guys do it that don't really speak English well, and that's a, kind of, a, a lot of them come and talk to him, and they're like, you know, we we don't want to work directly for you, and he's like, you know, that's fine, and I want to help you out, but without that communication, uh, you know, a lot of these companies will come to him, and they'll be like, if you're not here communicating with us, we don't want to work directly with them. There's too much of a separation there. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not there. We, there's uh, we have a sub that's that way too. He actually hires, um, uh, you know, guys who don't have the best English. You could talk to them and understand in a normal conversa conversation, but if you're getting in the nitty gritty details of a project, you know how you get it gets lost in translation, as they say. Um, you just can't quite get the point across or they can't quite understand you. And he's been 
extremely valuable over the years in hiring and, and training uh, bilingual or right. um, sorry, like um, people who are not bilingual or not uh, speak, speak very good English. And uh, he's done a great job. We need, we need more of that, right? We need people. We need to bring it to the forefront, really, because if you look at it, we talk about, you know, the pricing and stuff. And then a lot of people in the groups always refer to, well, there's a bunch of illegals that are doing this over here. And, you know, they, they always refer back to that. And it's like, but if if you just help them out and make them understand, then and we can bring a lot more people in as well and bridge that you know gap to where we need installers but we need those bilingual people here with us so that way we can actually bridge that gap because he called me and he's like I'm like you I'm bilingual I'm like actually I'm not so <laughs> <laughs> well we have a disability a, for that for years one of our our installation managers are bilingual as well and so he's able to you know, even with uh, some of our, the, the, the team leads on the, for the subs, like, you know, the sub owner, um, you know, they, they can have a little bit of broken English and get through 99% of stuff, but there's still that little, some of that detail stuff that our guy has to jump in and explain in Spanish to them. And then it makes sense. So, you know, if nothing else out of this, I realized the need to, out of this last piece, Daniel, I realized the need to execute on um, translating a Spanish version of Go Carrera immediately. I've seen, I've seen the gears turning when Daniel said, yeah, I was like, I probably need to. Your facial expression just totally changed. You're like, dang. I probably need to do something about that. Uh, My mom can translate. Don't ask, don't ask Daniel to translate it. Don't ask me to translate. I'll use Google Translate. <laughs> you know what's funny is you talk about that Daniel and I actually just inquired over to Megan at the chamber about some classes uh, to, to go in and, and right. try to learn because uh, along I, I with some the guy, education on Excel when, when he called me right and he, he's talking about it and I'm like it's really a comfort level thing because you go to some of these events and you see someone sitting by themselves and usually it's someone that you know are they bilingual? Yes, but do they feel comfortable enough to bring that out and, and talk to you? Not really. So you got to kind of go out of your own comfort zone to, to go over there and talk to them and kind of bring that out and let them know that, you know, everyone is welcome in the industry. We're not, we're not trying to break everything out and let them know that we need them right now more than ever. And, and you know what, it, it, it doesn't always have to be a language barrier too, right? It can be an introvert who has put themselves in uncomfortable position to join that group or, or go to that um, that event and they just like to to be them, the most was, knowledgeable person there. about something that you don't even know until you start yeah. talking. Jorge said that he started talking to you in Spanish and you just looked at him like what? <laughs> 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 it happens all the time and it well my wife my wife is Hispanic and and she uh she you know people come up and just especially if we're at a mexican restaurant and they'll start speaking spanish i said honey you just got to tell them hey i'm offended i'm indian and she was, <laughs> <laughs> that needs to be my line dude that needs to be my line it doesn't work it doesn't work no doesn't get you through it 
Well, I, I thought it was always funny. She's like, oh, stop it. But anyway, well, guys, we've come to the end of our uh, time here. It really flew today. We're a little past, which I never, never mind Sorry, on guys. great conversation Sorry, like this. We're definitely going to be revisiting this numerous times, right? Because yeah. it's, it's going to be a constant thing in the industry where everyone talks about the installation crisis. What can we do? Where do we have to go? And without the constant conversation, it's not going to get anywhere. Yeah. No, instead of just like, uh, like our GCs do to us when there's a problem on a job or the, the production, they just let, send more guys. Is that the answer? Yeah. yeah always. No. Is that always the answer? No, it's not always the answer. Sometimes it is, but that's how we're approaching the installation crisis right now. Send more guys. We just need more people. Yeah. That doesn't always work. And, and no. um, you know, if we do come back to this conversation, I do have I do have a little story that, that was shared with me a long time ago about efficiency that really stuck with me for for the years. And, and Daniel's heard it before um, because it's something that you just can't forget once you hear it. Well, write it down. Uh, so what I'm proposing, and we'll follow up uh, through our media channels and and email to everybody. But uh, I'm proposing we get a panelist of people whether it's some people from the FCEF, I want to bring in a manufacturing. I got a really good friend that was the head of Spirit, uh, which is the largest um, aircraft subcontract uh, manufacturing company, I think on the planet, but certainly in the United States. And the so I know I could get her on. She she under like she's that corporate level person that's dealt with efficiencies in manufacturing. So be fun to have someone outside the industry come in and talk about efficiencies and some of the detail stuff that they might do get all of our flooring guys in here maybe we can get like uh you know some some manufacturers maybe president of uh ef contract will join us or mohawk or shaw or one of them let's talk efficiencies let's talk about how we can improve uh as an industry in that manner and i want to tell everybody thank you for your contributions today yeah. you too Rock, I appreciate your. Uh, oh, you guys are always so fun to talk to. So I look hey, good, man. Great they're good today, man. So, um, thanks again, and we will uh, catch up with you guys next week. And um, be on the lookout uh, for. And I, I'm sure a lot of people have dropped off now that it's a, a an hour and seven minutes long. But uh, if you're still on here, be on the lookout for some communication from us. I want to get this panelist together and just have a taught a, a full-on full circle conversation right, I've, and see if we come out, i've been come putting out more stuff on social media too to try and draw the crowd i think it, it's it's been working out a little bit is there yeah, a way yeah. for um awesome. is there a way for for other people to send in questions if they're not able to join the the, the live podcast or or not able to be a part of it or a panelist is there somewhere where they can send some questions that, that can be brought up and maybe can get a list of those together and 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 try to get some of those answers yeah that's the info i go carrera right yeah you can do you can do uh there let me give you some resources it's support at go carrera info at go carrera ashland at go carrera paul at go carrera daniel at go carrera these two guys at daniel or jose at m i p f m i p f m i dot team, team. Yes, sorry. So, like, send <laughs> it to good, any, 
prefer calling mi.com too, but like I said, I got yeah, y'all that is too long. It's more efficient. Go the short way. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys it's all about the efficiency all about the efficiency i appreciate you fellas and and to everybody thank you and we'll talk to you guys next week all Have right thanks guys all right guys.